Thanks for listening to one of our messages at Crossroads Bible Church. We gather on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. in person and online. To find out more about our church or to connect to any of our ministries, visit our website at crossroadsbible.org. We hope you enjoy the message and pray it encourages you as you seek to follow Jesus. Well, hey, CBC. Happy New Year. It's 2023. And about two years ago, in the middle of 2020, I didn't know if we'd make it here. So we are doing well, everybody. Today, we're going to do a small teaching on what we do every January. If you're new to the CBC family, about five years ago, we started doing spiritual disciplines, or some people don't like that word, so we call them spiritual practices, every January. And the spiritual practices at CBC are the ways we define it as the way that we participate in the work that only God can accomplish, uh, the work of changing our hearts. And there are different rhythms we fold into our day-to-day to bring us closer to God. It's kind of like working out. If you want to lift a big fat rock and you're really skinny and small, you got to start small and do five pound dumbbells and 10 pound dumbbells. And over time, those dumbbells bring you to a place that you want to go. And as Christians, our goal is Christ-likeness, always. Change is embedded and in deeply into what we believe. Jesus came and said, hey, if you want to follow me, it starts with the beginning knowledge that you can't stay where you're at, but have to move towards where I'm at. It begins with this idea that you'll die to yourself because the best part of life isn't found within you, but found in me. We find a fulfillment in living into the ways and rhythms of a God who created us. All that goodness that we pass along when we talk about the beauty of Jesus at CBC. And so five Januarys ago, we started talking about prayer. And then we spent some time talking about solitude and silence and simplicity. We talked about fasting last year. That was fun for everybody. And what we're trying to do over time, because the spiritual journey is slow. In our culture, we're sold these lies that, that good things happen quickly. But I'd say it's the opposite, man. Good things take time to, to have roots developed. Good things take time to grow. And so as we talk about our spiritual journey, in the last five years have been laying the foundation of a life defined by disciplines that develop within us Christ-likeness. And it's slow. And it's not going to happen overnight. And in immediate culture, that's a really difficult sell. But it's also really beautiful because the best things in my life are, one, are things that have been around my life for a long time. I didn't think it was possible, but I love my kids more now than when they first were born. And I love my wife more now than when I first met her. And so the spiritual life is a slow and methodical process of uncovering the grace and the beauty and the love of God every single day and deepening in our ability to portray that to a world that desperately needs it. So that's where we are today. And today, in the next 15-ish minutes, because I don't know about you, but when I watch messages at my house, there's chaos going on all around me. And that's about all the time I have. Today, we're going to invite you in to a new kind of practice that kind of puts all of these together. And, and we're going to start our practice of hospitality next week when we meet together, talk about it for three weeks, and how God uses that to show people his goodness. But, but today, I'm going to talk about this idea of what's called a rule of life. There's probably 5% of our little CBC population that, that, are, that know what that is, and the rest of you have no idea what that is. So what I want to do today is talk about rule of life in three ways. I want to talk about where it came from so we know where it started. I want to talk about what it is. Let's define the thing. Uh, and then lastly, I want to talk about why I think we need it right here and right now. 
So rural life is not something that we made up at Crossroads. It's not something that anybody made up in the last thousand years. It actually goes back to this dude in the 500s in the 6th century called St. Benedict of Nursa. And you got to understand what's going on in the culture to understand why he did what he did. He developed something known as the Benedictine system. It's a set of rules or rhythms that allowed his community to remember their affiliation to Christ when everything else was in chaos. So this is like 500 A.D., and you got to know the Christian journey. So it started okay with Jesus, and then things got really bad. And, and Jesus left to go back to be with the Father, sent the Holy Spirit. And there's these pockets of extreme persecution in the early church. It got really bad under Nero around 80, 60, 70, and then died off, got really bad in the 150s, died off, got really, really bad around 250, 60, 70 in Diocletian, then died off, and then it became great in 313. When Constantine said, now the religion of Rome is Jesus. And for the first time, for the first time, people could talk about Christ openly and not worry about being beaten. And that lasted a couple hundred years. And then the Roman Empire fell. Enter St. Benedict. And the Roman Empire fell. It was a slow process, but it was a bloody one. Barbarians came in from all over the world, especially the north, and started ripping slowly apart the ways of Rome, a, a culture and a country that thought it was too big to be beaten, you know? <laughs> Sound familiar? And, and over time, what happened was the chaos of the, of, the, of the Vikings came in, the chaos of the barbarians came in, and there was no order where there used to be order. And so the church didn't rule anything anymore, and people didn't know who was in control. And all of a sudden, what you found was all these people that called themselves Christians, whether they were or not, but there was no order, authority, or rule. Everything was in chaos. So St. Benedict, he, Benedict of Nursa, he gathered some friends and kind of ran in the middle of the wilderness and said, man, we got to protect what we know to be true. And he created a community that had some rhythms and said, we're going to, amidst all the chaos, protect our, 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 our affiliation to Christ through different rhythms. And so he wrote a code. He wrote a code and talked about how we need to remember by what we do that we are first and foremost sons and daughters of God, that we're Christians. And so from there, throughout church history, most major movements of God, especially in the Middle Ages, had with them some kind of spiritual rhythm or some kind of spiritual discipline or rule of life to govern what they found valuable so they didn't forget what they know to be true. And so today, here and now, that phrase isn't used often, but it's a really beautiful one. Because what it does is it takes these different disciplines that we've come to know, that hopefully we've come to practice a little bit here and there, and says, what would happen if we put these intentionally in our life in a way that it guided us every single day? It's a beautiful practice that helps us remember uh, why we are Christians in the first place. It helps us remember what we actually value in a culture of chaos. And let me tell you something, man. I think our culture is more and more surrounded by chaos. And so I, I think we more and more need rules of life or discipline. And so you might listen to that phrasing, rule of life, and, and like me, look, I grew up, I'm a middle child. And uh, I, I am not one of those guys that said, rule, yay, it's there to protect me. I, I think rule, and I think, yay, it's there to box me in. Let's break out as quick as I can. I was a pastor from the get-go. And so when you talk about rule of life, you have to understand what the word means. The, ru the word rule comes from the Latin regular, which doesn't mean rule like you and I think it means. It doesn't mean a set of codes to keep us in line. It literally means straight piece of wood or uh, straight piece of, of, of anything to, to, to make a form for something to follow. 
And so one author said it like this. The word rule in Latin is a feminine noun and it carries a gentle connotation, a signpost, a railing, something that gives me support as I move forward in my search for God. A rule of life then serves as a gentle guide that keeps you trained toward God. If you get into different communities that practice rules of life, and they're all over the place, if you get into them, a common, uh, a common example given or a common illustration given to rules of life is a trellis. And if you're like me, who didn't grow up anywhere near the outdoors or grew up kind of in more city life, I don't know what that is. So let me give you another example. My dad was a farmer growing up. And he moved to Dallas and I came along and his life got infinitely better. And as we moved to Double Oak in 1988, when nothing else was out there, he said, you know what, I'm going to start a garden and I'm going to farm again. And so my entire childhood, we had some small little garden and it was always tomatoes that we grew every single year. And for the first few years, we grew tomatoes and it was fine. I remember there was a moment, and I probably was young, but there was a moment when he decided that, you know, what we have to do for these tomatoes is stick these forms in the ground. Because what happens when you stick these forms in the ground for tomatoes is they grow up healthier because they grow against the forms. And the forms don't actually do anything for their growth biologically, but they help them grow healthily. Because tomato plants grow healthier when they grow up and not on the ground. Because when you get off the ground, you grow healthier. So instead of growing out, you grow up. The, the root is deeper and the plant is healthy. And so what rules of life do is they help guide our growth and development by creating in themselves a system of ways that we act to remind us where we're trying, what we're trying to become together. One author said, a rule of life is different than goals, intentions, or resolutions. We tend to set for ourselves. Those methods are task-based and measurable. And they're often focused on what we do. A rule of life, this is what I love. A rule of life, on the other hand, helps you become. A rule of life then serves as a gentle guide that keeps you trained toward God. So that's what it does. And this is kind of what it is. Let me give you a couple definitions, my favorites of rule of life. And then we'll land on my favorite that I'm just straight going to steal from somebody else. Because that's what all the best do. John Mark Comer says, a rule of life is a set or practices of relational rhythms that help us create space in our busy world to be like Jesus, to become like Jesus, and to do what he did. Another author says the rule of life is the means by which we, uh, we're, we give more of ourselves for God to work with. One other is the rule of life is a set of habits that gives us just enough structure and direction to grow with purpose towards Christ-likeness. Another one says a rule of life is a way of living today in line with my deepest desires and God's deepest transformation. I like that one. My favorite one comes from a book called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality by Pete Scazzaro. It says, an a rule of life is an intentional plan to keep God at the center of everything we do. And that's the point, is in a chaotic world, we remember what our center is. That's what a rule of life does, because it's so easy to forget. And, and we see these themes all throughout scripture. Deuteronomy 4, 9, take heed, Keep your soul diligent lest you forget the things which your eyes have seen, lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life. This idea of remembering. And the only, the only way, the only way we remember is to repeat. The only way we remember is to be reminded because you will, you will, as best you might think your memory is, you will forget the goodness of God if you don't remember the goodness of God, if you're not reminded of the goodness of God. Spiritual rhythms and disciplines, rules of life, a set of spiritual disciplines set in place to guide our lives, help us remember uh, I love what in Acts uh, 18, it says that Paul stayed in Corinth for some time. He left before the brothers and sisters and sailed for Aquila. 
And he said he had his hair cut off uh, because of the vow he'd taken. So just, I throw that in there just to let you know that, that vows or rules or ways of life were common in the Old and New Testament. Even Paul, the most ardent, ardent defender of grace in all of the scriptures. The, the, the guy that said, without grace we're nothing and you can do nothing. You can do nothing to earn the love, the merit, the favor, the goodness of God. Took vows before God as a way to remind himself of God's goodness. He took vows before God as a way to practice the rhythm of God in his everyday life. Catholics would define vows as an act of generosity towards God. And so when we talk of a rule of life, it's this idea, a vow or a practice that might remind us of God's goodness so we grow up in the way of Christ. I love what Psalm 56, 12 to 13 says. It says, I am under vows to you, my God. I will present my thank offerings to you, for I've delivered me from death and my feet from stumbling, that I may walk before God in the light of life. It says, I will present my thank offerings to you. You've delivered me from death that I will walk in the way of life. Here's what we have to understand. Fundamentally, as we talk about where it came from and, and, and what a rule of life is, you have to understand in this conversation that rules of life or any disciplines or practices we're going to talk about are only healthy if you understand where they come from. Because what's really easy to do is to get to legalism and flip this around and, and feel like we do these things because we want to live for God's love, affection, approval, and grace and not from God's love, affection, approval, and grace. Rules of life, these actions we take to help mold us into the rhythms and ways of Jesus are only healthy if they stem from a deep understanding of how you're already loved, you're already saved, you're already valued, and you're already identified as, as God's son and daughter any other way and it's unhealthy. If you're doing rules or vows or showing up to church on Sunday morning or praying because you think that's going to make God love you more, you need to re-understand your relationship to God because God saved you for himself. God loved you when you were his enemy. And, as and when we live out the ways of Jesus, we live out the ways of Jesus from the heart of God who already said he loved us, not so that he might in the future. And so when we talk about rules, when we talk about ways of life, when we talk about how we live into this new process, it's from the heart of a God who already loved us. I love what Dallas Willard says about grace. He said, grace isn't opposed to effort, it's opposed to earning, which means that when we understand grace fully, we participate in what comes next, which is a changed life. Because change is the heart of following Jesus together. At Crossroads, we believe growing people change, because that's what God is doing, and that's evidence that he's good. When talking about grace in the spiritual life and the actions that come from it, um, I think a really great analogy is marriage. So Bonhoeffer, a theologian, said to a couple getting married, <coughs> today you're young and very much in love, and you think that your love can sustain your marriage. Isn't that the truth? When you get married, you're like, man, this passion's never going to go away. It's never going to die. I'm going to love you with a burning white hot ember and a thousand coals for the rest of my days. And then you get back from your honeymoon. Or maybe your life is different than mine and it takes 10 years. But he says, you think that your love can sustain your marriage. And then he says, it can't let your marriage sustain your love. David Brooks, the author and writer, says, uh, falling in love with someone or something uh, and then building a structure of behavior around it for those moments when love falters is a better definition of love. So what this does, like marriage, is it says, you know what, I want to keep loving my wife, so I need to keep dating my wife. I want to keep loving my wife, so I need to keep serving my wife. 
The love that we have for the things around us are built because we have structures that help remind us what's good about that love. And rhythms of life, rules of life, spiritual disciplines are ways that we do that around our pursuit of Jesus. And so we know kind of where it came from and we know what it is and we see it in some scripture and we see some definitions of it. Now, let me land the plane a little bit by telling you why you need it. Because like it or not, your life is being shaped by something. A rule of life is just another way to say that you want to be intentional about the things that shape your life instead of the things shaping your life uh, being unintentional. There's one author that I like and he says you need uh, rules of life around because you need attention and intention where you may have been inattentive and unintentional. And so let me tell you why you need it just in in two concepts that I think drive our world. I think that we right here, right now in this culture are shaped by two primary principles that you might know exist, you might not. And I think those two driving forces are one, the driving force of desire and two, the driving force of urgency. So, So we are a culture that is driven by our desire. And some of that's good. God made us a desirous people. I I think the problem is that what we desire isn't ultimately fulfilling anymore. And I know that because I've been marketed to all of my life. And I just want one commercial, just one, to buy an ad spot, look at me in the face from the television and say, you know what? You're fine the way you are. You don't need to buy anything or do anything or go anywhere. Just hang out and be good. I'll buy whatever product they have. And ironically, they don't have a product. That's the point. But every ad you listen to, every political candidate is going to sell you a story that you're not ultimately fulfilled yet. They're going to tap into that deep longing you have that haven't been met and said the way you get out of it is to buy a Kia or to buy some more fast food or to buy, to buy, to buy. That's how we market. You can go to marketing slogans over the years, just do it Nike because you're worth it L'Oreal, but you can't have just one. It plays into our desire. Our culture is driven by that desire. And what happens when your culture is driven by desire is before you know it, you can no longer say no to the thing you want anymore. So we have cultural colloquialisms that go with this too. The heart wants what it wants. You know, you do you, YOLO. That was one like when I was in high school. So most people don't know what that is anymore, but YOLO was one of them. Be true to yourself is another one. And the ironic part about that is it comes from a Hamlet play and this one person said, above all, you know, be true and to thine self be true. And that actually came from the fool. (laughs) The point in Hamlet was that guy is not going to end well. I love what Plantinga, a theologian, says about a culture driven by desire. In such a culture, the self exists to be explored, indulged, and expressed, but not disciplined or restrained. Here's what we have to recognize. In a culture that's shaped and formed by our desires, you have to understand that oftentimes your desire that you have in the moment is not your deepest desire. The desires we seek to meet aren't the longings that we have that are so deep. You know why I know that? Because I've been grocery shopping when I've been hungry. There's probably 16 examples you can give, but go grocery shopping when you're hungry and look at your grocery list. And I bet you end up with way more things than you thought you were that are not on your list and things you don't need to eat. Or when you're late one night driving home from work because we worked too hard and you realize you're really hungry, you're going to make that bad decision of raising canes. You're going to feel bad about it five minutes after you eat it. But in the moment, man, it crushed what you wanted and needed. We have to recognize as a culture that maybe we've been filling our desires with things that don't ultimately need meet our deeper longing. We have to understand that we've substituted partnerships with online profiles to fill this this. this 
void within us of, of meaningful relationships. We've substituted the idea of being near people in presence with social media platforms. We've substituted discussion and dialogue with 140 character tweets or online posts that don't actually get to the heart of any issue. We've substituted simple inactivity with rest. And those two things are very, very different and the list goes on and on. The problem is that those two things aren't the same, the desire we have and the fulfillment we need and we're paying the price for it. Here's what disciplines do. Disciplines give us perspective to desire so we can find and fulfill the deeper longings of God. And without those, we don't actually fill the hole that we have. And it's a vicious cycle of being sold a good that you don't need again and again and again. So spiritual rhythms help us find the deeper longings that drive our world, that shape what we're becoming together. I love what John Mark Comer says about it. He says, the key to spiritual formation is to change what we can control, our habits, to influence what we can't control, our flesh. And so it's a slow work of dedicated disciplines in the day in and day out that, shlo- that slowly change what we ultimately want. I heard it said once from a guy, an actor actually, uh, that he was getting in shape for this movie. And he was getting really, he, like, he had like 19 abs after that movie. And he said, the diet was really difficult. He said, at first, I'd eat a bunch of kale and I really hated kale. But then about a month in, my body craved it. Like I wanted it, you know? Because the slow work of daily routine and discipline. That's what rules of life are all about. I think the, the other, quickly, the other driving factor in our society is the tyranny of the urgent. It's a phrase coined in 1960s from Charles Hummel, who published a book about it. And basically his proposition was, and this one doesn't need much explaining, is that we skip the more important things because things are louder in our world than the more important things. We skip the meaningful conversations because a kid is yelling. We skip the meaningful conversations because I'd rather go on social media and say things that everybody agrees with, that agrees with me. You know, we we, we skip the, the deeper things because there are things all around us that are just loud. It's the tyranny of the urgent. It needs to happen now. And we do a bad job of separating the important from the urgent. And that goes into the culture of we can't say no enough and several other quips you've probably heard. So here's where I want to get to with all of this is that the truth about formation and the truth about rhythms and the truth about disciplines and the truth about rule of life is, man, you already have one. You just might not know it. You already have a, a, a rhythm and you already have disciplines you abide to. My, my, my point today is simply to say, are they ones that build you into Christ-likeness? Are they rhythms that 20 years down the road will make you look like who you want to become? Because spiritual rhythms in a chaotic world driven by desire and urgency, they help us say no to those so we can say yes to the better. And so today is simply an invitation. It's an invitation to ask the question in this moment of change culturally, where is my life going? Because, you know, we have these rhythms in our culture. You know, August is back to school. Christmas is all the chaos. But right here, right now, you get about a week and a half where people culturally evaluate their life and say, what do I want to change? This is that moment. And a spiritual rhythm, a, a rule of life, is a way where we can say, how is my walk with Christ going? And what steps am I taking in the day in and the day out to hopefully help move towards who he is versus where I am now? And, and so I think... As we continue on in this conversation, and like I said at the beginning, it's going to be one that takes some time. The best thing you can do is simply ask the question, what rhythms are in my life that make me look more like Jesus? And what rhythms need to be? So so we've talked about a bunch at CBC over the last five years. 
Uh, we've talked about Sabbath because I think we need Sabbath to fight hurriedness and control. We've talked about fasting to fight our flesh and, and fight the desires that we have and realize you can say no to the little desires to find the deeper longings of our soul. I think we need silence to fight a busy world and fight anxiety that comes with busyness and hurriedness. I think we need solitude to fight uh, for and find our identity in a world that tri- keeps trying to define you outside of who Christ says you are. And so the question remains, what are ways we're doing to find those rhythms, to find the deeper things on the other side of those rhythms? So here's what we're going to do. We're going to post some links at the bottom of this that are just resources. And this is the fun part about today. I, I don't have like the next three steps for you to take. Uh, I think this is very wide open. This is an open-handed invitation for you to assess and address the rhythms in your life. And, and so for me, let me give you an example of my chaotic rule of life right now. I'm trying to develop one. And let me tell you something, guys. It is a slow process. I've been trying for a couple of years now. I try to fast one or two mornings a week uh, and afternoons. I try to take Sabbath on Friday afternoons. Ask my wife how that's going. Don't. Uh, I try to uh, pray three times a day. I try to have these rules of life around what governs my life. And some weeks I'm great with it and some weeks I'm bad with it. The question is just, are we asking the question together? Are we helping one another? And so below you'll see some resources on different ways you can organize your rule, whether it's around relationships, work, rest, and, and, and Sabbath or spiritual things, or whether you want to do it other ways. I just want to begin by asking the question, what's the rhythm of your life? Is it making you more into who Jesus is, or are we not thinking about it? Because the rule of life can be a beautiful rhythm that helps us become who God intended us to be. It helps us intentionally live in a way so that people see the better way of Jesus. And that's my hope and prayer. And so this is maybe a new conversation for some of you, and you might leave more confused than when you went in. I did my job, all right? (laughs) Um, For some others, you might have a little small one. Uh, I'd encourage you to keep talking about it. Uh, Delenn and I are working on some spiritual practices or discipline content for small groups that we hope to get done in the spring. Then we can start having the conversation about how to incorporate some of these things into our daily life together so that we can look more like Jesus in a really chaotic world because it's really important because he really is good. So man, I hope you had a fantastic New Year's. I'm excited for this conversation on hospitality that starts next week because that's the beginning of people seeing the goodness of Jesus, by the way, uh, and not to give too much away. And, And I can't wait to keep practicing the way of Jesus with you, to keep showing people that he really is good and to keep having conversations of how we together as a church day in and day out can have practices that help us look more like the God who is worthy of worship.